Welcome to I Hate Sand, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Aaron. I'm Reagan. We're just three lifelong friends sitting around a table talking about hot Star Wars topics. We recognize that Star Wars means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, and we may disagree on the specificities, but at the end of the day, we all love Star Wars. Let's dive right in. Alright, welcome to the season one finale of I Hate Sand, and what better way to end it with such a good movie, Revenge of the Sith. I don't have anything bad to say about it. Nothing much to say about it, it was great. Yeah, it's a good movie, so... um, Alright, well, that's that's all we gotta say, see you later. Alright, we're just kidding, we have a few things to say about Revenge of the Sith. As great of a movie it is, there's still plenty of talking points, for sure. Let's start at the beginning. It has such a cool opening scene. Yeah, it's we're really... S- we're starting in, like, the heat of the battle. Right, it's the first time we're really integrated in the Clone Wars. I mean, we have that shot in Naboo and uh, Phantom Menace mm-hmm. with the Separatists invading. But that's kind of, like, before the Clone Wars really kick yeah. off as the Clone Wars, you know? True. Yeah, and uh, I think it's the first time we really get to see some intense aerial combat. Yeah, one thing that's new in this is we get to see them actually loading their turbo lasers and having like broadside combat between capital yes. ships, right. which is very fun. I'd like to make a throwback during this whole scene. Uh, in episode four, Obi-Wan is like, I don't remember owning any droids. And then we see fucking R4 get his head ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> Don't seem to recall that, but uh, <laughs> so many adventures with that droid, and I don't seem to remember it. <laughs> and then he gets that cool-ass bronze head. Yeah. <laughs> R4 and Yaddle, dude. Both of them just get real shafted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. So pretty much near the beginning of this movie, we find that the battle droids have changed voices. Yeah. They, it was mm-hmm. super surprising they transitioned, first time I saw this movie. Yeah, they transitioned from more intimidating voices to comedic voices. You stupid little astro droid. Which... It does make me laugh, I'll It be does honest. make me oh, laugh. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I've, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Roger, Roger. You're welcome. Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself actually laughing, and for some reason, I just remember looking back and thinking, what a dumb choice. I really like the intimidating sounds, but it does add some comedic relief to this movie, which is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pr- pretty dark movie, so. Totally. It, it definitely needs the comedic relief. Oh, <laughs> can we talk? <laughs> can we talk about those reaction shots of Palpatine when he's like being held hostage? Oh yeah, <laughs> being held hostage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I want to know what George Lucas's direction <laughs> lines were for the right. first. Some context: Obi Wan kills the two super battle droids, and then it cuts to Chancellor Palpatine still locked in his chair emphatically says get with like a snarl on his face (laughs) and that's it but even before that uh something happens and he like has this like wince thing like there's just two or three little reaction shots yeah you know you're in the action and then you shoot back to palps for a couple seconds and he has some (laughs) facial expression 
And I, I just really want to know what those directions were from George <laughs> Lucas to him. All right, Ian, I just want you to say... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is there's like a, in the subtitles, there's like a dash after it. Like, yeah. What was it? What's, what's the rest of that? I, I thought it was, yeah. Like he was, he was like cheering that he killed the battle droids. I, it actually says get. Did it? Yeah. I thought I, it said yeah. I okay. wonder if like Palpatine is somehow using the force during this to like interfere with the battle because right after this, Obi-Wan like gets distracted or something and gets force pushed by Dooku. Maybe. I don't know. It, to me, it just seemed like they were just. You wanted to get Palp's reactions. Yeah, I don't. For some reason. I think that would have given him away. Hmm. I think they would have detected him using the force. I think it's just bad directing. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It's weird, though. If when I, we get Ian McDermott on our show, we'll ask <laughs> him. Yeah. If I ever get the chance to ask George Lucas, I will want to know. For sure. So, right after that, we're pretty far into the movie. They return from their whole adventure with saving the Chancellor. And Anakin and Padme meet up, and mm-hmm. we find out. I mean, okay, so it seems like they've been gone for a long time. Like they haven't seen each other. It feels like a couple years that kind of reunion. And you yeah. find out Padme's pregnant. How long was that? <laughs> and who yeah. was the father? <laughs> yeah, there's some warning bells going off there for sure. You can I've, see it in Anakin's eyes. Yeah, <laughs> his initial reaction is like. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess he must have been exaggerating just how long those Outer Rim sieges were. Okay, so now we're, you know, jumping ahead a little bit. We got the Jedi Council meeting where Anakin uh, is not granted the rank of Jedi Master. He's granted a seat on the council, but he cannot be considered a master. And it really made me think, like, I don't like Mace very much in the prequels. I think his character is just so unnecessarily harsh untrusting of anakin for no good reason really like ever since the beginning it's like oh yeah he's a kid but he's a little bit too old can't have him and then they're like everyone else is like okay i think maybe mace likes the tradition of things and how anakin was brought in was so untraditional you're saying that mace wants the tradition to stay and anakin was brought in outside of that tradition really Mm -hmm. and so he doesn't trust him because Mm -hmm. he isn't I guess, yeah, I mean, he's going off of just word of the, the word and opinion of others that this is actually the chosen one. This is the one that is fulfilling yeah. prophecy. But he's not so sure. It's hard for Mace to accept that since it's such mm-hmm. an unorthodox way of becoming a Jedi. And there might be something to the idea that some of the Jedi are a bit jealous of Anakin's power as well. Yeah, there definitely could be some of that. That's yeah. true. Maybe we just needed some more dialogue some more backstory yeah. with mace to try to really get us into that psychology yeah like his why is he why like he's that? acting yeah. like that towards anakin but you can't help but think mace is somewhat culpable to anakin's turn to the dark side for his actions for right. sure yeah because i mean he definitely has a position of power within the council it's pretty much yoda as leader but mace is a close second yeah a lot of times yoda just kind of deflects to or defers to mace's opinions on things kind of lets him call the shots True. For whatever reason, which is never really clear, but there's a lot of times May says something and Yoda says, yeah, that's this is what the council says. This is w- what we agree. And that distrust that is sewn in by Mace, the spread through the rest of the council, 
is what makes Anakin feel unheard, unloved, untrusted. Yeah. So when the Chancellor comes, when Palpatine comes along and says, I need you, you know, I trust you, starts calling him son, making him feel like this is the father I've never had. Palpatine just is able to exploit this feeling of distrust and abandonment or, you know, neglect that the council is, is putting upon Anakin, which ultimately, as we see in Revenge of the Sith, is a huge factor of his decision to turn to the dark side. Let's talk about the dreams that Anakin has. Do you think that Sidious planted the dreams in Anakin's mind? Either he planted them or he's able to pick up on the fact that Anakin is having them because he knows things about them that Anakin doesn't tell him. Because when you look at the sequences, they don't always like play out as they actually happen. Well, one thing Yoda says about the future is that it's always in motion. Like when he's talking to Luke right. in episode five before he runs off to Cloud City is just because you see something with the force. That doesn't mean it's going to happen exactly like that. Yeah. So especially with Anakin, things tend to become self-fulfilling prophecies with him. Mm-hmm. Um, although his, I would, would assume his mom probably would have still died if he hadn't tried to go save her. But Padme probably would have been fine if he hadn't, if he had just done nothing and just let her birth her children naturally. We fast forward to the Jedi Masters confronting Sidious in his throne room. <laughs> um, oh, this scene's always so sad, dude. It's uh, it's what like the pathetic. Fuck, what the fuck happened? We have Jedi Masters of the Force. And it's not like they didn't know that he's a Sith Lord, right? Because yeah. Anakin just told Mace, hey, look, mm-hmm. this guy's a Sith Lord. I mean, you would assume Mace is going to let the other guys in on that information, too. But no, they just get fucking <laughs> chopped up yeah. within two seconds. As, and then I guess it, it clears the way for a cool duel between Mace and Sidious. But it just seems so unbelievable that yeah. he's able to just take three of them out. Do you yeah, think it was maybe maybe the costuming that they had played into that? Because you don't have a ton of movement with those costumes. Oh, oh. Maybe. Yeah, could be. I think, it, it, I think it's just supposed to show how powerful Sidious is. That even some of the best Jedi Knights he can It's just so lame, down. though. Totally. No, I, I agree with that. I, he just twirls in there and goes... <laughs> a stab and a swipe and two of them are done. Yeah. Like, yeah. within a second. Yeah, Sidious is actually really good at catching people off guard because then he catches Yoda off guard in the next fight. Yeah. So, Somehow, even though he raises his hands for like five yeah. seconds. And we know Yoda's <laughs> capable of blocking that shit. Yeah. Yeah, he does absorb it later. I mean, when we're when we're talking about this kind of stuff, you kind of have to just suspend belief. Yes, on a lot you of do. It, you you know, do. Like, I think one of the ho- most hilarious things about this scene is uh, Sidious's throat noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just kind of has these weird moan slash growl things. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, why is his voice so different? I when guess it's a consequence of all the force lightning. But it's not even that, like, even when he's just talking as uh, Sidious to oh. separatist leaders in before episode the one, whole two, and thing. before, yeah, before all that, he, normally he talk like, he talks normal when he's speaking as Chancellor, but when he's Sidious, right. it's all down here. Yeah, it's like an mm-hmm. alternate persona, yeah, I maybe guess. Yeah, he's just, like, yeah. disguising I, yeah, himself. I guess. Yeah, he doesn't want to be talking to Vi- um, to Newt Gunray, and he's like, wait a second, you kind of sound like Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, I don't. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I don't know, I guess. But then, like, so what? Then he gets force lightninged him, like, back in himself. And it just makes his voice permanently it that way. Fucking fries his vocal cords, dude. Did you see his face? Imagine like the, all the stuff inside his throat's all fucked up. <laughs> How convenient that it like fries it just in that upper lip range. He's like, oh, good. This was always my Sith voice. <laughs> well, imagine if they'd done it the other way around. You couldn't take him seriously. <laughs> yeah. Now you are Darth Vader. <laughs> One of the best parts of this movie is the Yoda fight. Simultaneous with Anakin and Obi-Wan. The cross-cutting between both of the duels really makes this movie. My question is, why did Yoda give up in the end? I feel like he could have taken him. I have a few ideas. Maybe it seemed like he'd lost his lightsaber for one. Mm -hmm. The second thing is he might actually just be worn out. Exhausted. I, I think I, the gravity the of the fight. situation is what is really hitting him in that moment. Yeah. I have a thought because Yoda has always said the force binds us together. Well, he just lost so many of the Jedi that maybe his force connection has been diminished. diminished. Yeah, greatly cut off. Could be. So that's my theory on why Yoda gave up. That's Yeah, that's a good take. Also, I think he might have been able to sense that the clone reinforcements were coming. Because not long after he ditches and gets in, gets away with Bail Organa, you see the clones, the clones are there. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Anakin and Obi-Wan's fight is probably one of the best fights in the entire saga, arguably. I, I, I'll put it at the best, yeah, I think. I would too. I think George Lucas was going all guns out. It was his last movie he was going to make. He was like, let's make it as badass as possible. Yeah, and he did. And you really have to feel the the gravity there. You know, you have yeah. to feel the weight. It's not just of everything. a fight. There's a lot. No, it's not just like it. a Sith Lord versus a Jedi Master. It's mm-hmm. Master Apprentice. You know, mm-hmm. now like Sith de- or uh, Jedi defect. Yeah, people who were close enough to be calling each other brother. Right. Right. Saying that they loved them. That's what makes this movie so good. We we feel the attachment between these characters. Right. Yeah. For all the complaints of the sequel, uh, the the other two prequels that we can have, you got to give it credit. At least by this point, by this time of the saga, you you feel it. Everything is built and culminated in such a way that you have bought in on this fight. You have bought in on these two characters and the struggle between them. Like that, I mean, that's not a light thing, you know. Yeah, episodes one and two have plenty of issues. (laughs) We've hit on those pretty hard in the last two episodes, but. At least what they did was give us a story that makes us feel invested, that allows us to connect in such a way that we can say this is a painful movie yeah. and that the ending really is very, very painful. And that's what I think is missing in the sequel trilogy is that by episode nine, I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. the fight between, well, between Ray and Kylo and then later with Kylo and Ray versus Sidious, I just, I did not care about the stakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. at all. Even though there's like 200 little Death Stars now, <laughs> it's like just because you make the threat bigger doesn't mean you you have to have a character development. Yeah, and a, a character binding in it, not just like vast weaponry. One really minor detail that I noticed: I've seen this movie so many times, probably hundreds of times, because I watched it so much when I was a kid. One thing I just noticed on this watch through was Anakin's eyes changing while he was burning alive 
or might have been right before he right was burning before away. Right before he got like eyes. Yeah, he changed. I mean, we see them earlier, but now we we see them like physically change from the blue to the yellow, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was so cool. So fast forward, um, Anakin gets burned alive. Palpatine saves him. They're back in the um, like medical hospital. A minor detail of this is you hear a heartbeat oh, while yeah. Anakin is getting constructed. And then as soon as Vader's helmet goes on, that heartbeat goes away. And I've heard. And online, then it restarts. What? Yeah. It restarts after a few seconds. So it stops and then it's silent and then it starts again. Okay. Which yeah. is like the symbolism of but it's Vader very, coming alive. Right. right. It's a different kind of heartbeat this time. I mean, it's very pronounced. It's like a bass thump. Yeah. Yeah. At first. And it's, you know, Anakin trying to hold on. But once that helmet's put on, that heartbeat changes. Anakin is dead. Yeah. Well, the new life we have is Darth Vader. I just read about that the other day and watching it now, it's so good. Such a minor detail that you yeah. added. That is really good. Uh, let's talk about a very, I think one of the most controversial things about this movie is Padme's death. Uh, did uh, What did she yeah. die from? How did she die? Medically, she's completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. I think we can rule out any physical things because the droids say that and Anakin really didn't do that much. It could be that Sidious in some way manipulated her to die. Maybe. You know, like he knew all along. Padme needed to die for Anakin to turn. Like that much is pretty clear. Yeah. He can't have Padme around having Anakin be like all good. Right. Mm -hmm. He needs Anakin to be this broken rage machine that he can use. Yeah. Anakin has to be suffering to be able to become Darth Vader. I mean, as implausible as it sounds, maybe it is true that Padme finding out all of a sudden that the man she loved, the father of her children, was a completely different person now. Right. Could really, you know, mess with mess with someone's psyche. I don't know how that makes you die. That one line just really is what throws the wrench in it. Like, yeah. she's fine, we're just losing her. They shouldn't have said that. They should have said something like the choking... That hasn't done any kind of irreparable mm-hmm. damage. You know, mm-hmm. it, there should have been something a little bit looser that allows room for some more believability. Yeah, interpretation I there. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's very common for women to die during childbirth. I wouldn't say very but, common. Yeah, it's but not it's super common, common but not it does happen. in the Star Wars universe where they have like Bacta and <laughs> droids and shit. It I just, mean. I feel like that would have been a better explanation than, oh, we don't know. Yeah. He's yeah. dying. We well, it's weird to think about it. It's weird. None of it really makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. Like, you know, when you watch a movie like Star Wars, telekinesis and laser swords, like you kind of just kind of let go of, of logic a lot of times. You just kind of take the story as it's given to you. But they say like, okay, so everything's fine with her, but we're losing her. And for the health of the babies, they have to be delivered right now. If she's fine, why do they have to be delivered right now? That doesn't make any sense. Like, what? So I guess the answer to this debate is we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're still confused. That, that's all it has to be. I The idea is just, yeah, Padme has to die. Yeah. The babies are going to be born. How are we going to do that? And it's just a couple lines that could have been written a bit better. Yeah. For a little more clarity. Figured that out a little bit better, but yeah, it's I'm, whatever. I like Aaron's answer. The plot needed her to die. Totally. 
Just some general things about this movie. Do you think George Lucas took the critiques from episode two, like the hard criticisms, and was like, I got to make a better movie? I really think so, because it is so remarkably better than Attack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that long, a couple of years afterwards, right? Yeah, it's only... Yeah, 2002 was Attack, this was 05. Yeah. Yeah. So that's enough time to really... It's so much better. Yeah, it's enough time to really take in the criticism, the critiques, and the... Just give yourself time to reflect on it and refine a little bit more. I think the character dialogue was written so much better, and the CG was so much better for some reason. Yeah. Even though it's only like a couple years, it's remarkable. The acting was better, which is... Yeah, I'll say, like, Natalie Portman and and, and, uh, Hayden Christensen both, I mean, they are very... I think Hayden Christensen steals the show. Yeah, I think he does a great job in this movie. I have very, very few, if any, real complaints about his delivery or acting or anything. I just think he's so good. Okay, so since it's the last episode of this season, we wanted to have a special surprise for you guys. Please welcome... The man himself, Ross Speedman. Ross Speedman, that's it, yeah. B E A D M A N. Kind of a, an unusual surname, but I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's unusual. It stands out. I'm not too mad about it. If you don't remember Ross Speedman, then you'll remember him with this Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? First of all, how did you even get into acting? So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got to be honest, it's a mixture of uh, luck and uh, nepotism. Obviously, my mum used to work with someone who then went on to work for a children's casting agency. She now runs her own separate casting agency. But, yeah, she gave my mum an email one day, basically asked her, well, they haven't, they didn't even speak for like a couple of years before she sent that email. And the email said, would your son like to be in Star Wars? <laughs> Right. Wow. And basically the same message was relayed on to me as a kid. And my mom says to me, Ross, would you like to be in Star Wars? And I'm like, Yes, I think I would. Is that even <laughs> is that even a question? Who wouldn't? Yeah, like, it was mad. So I was I was a pretty heavy Star Wars fan at the time, as well as like Lord of the Rings. When I uh, used nice. to role play games with my mates at school, those would be the only two things we used to draw inspiration from. So mm-hmm. it was a big deal. How old are you at that time? I was six years old, yeah. yeah. Wow. Dang. So that's the nepotism part. The luck part <laughs> came in where my parents used to tell me that uh, you got to practice the line every day. And they'd get to the point where I'd practice it enough where it would become annoying. But I'm thankful <laughs> that they did that because when it actually came time for filming on the day, all the other kids were talking amongst themselves. I don't think they were taking it very seriously. I think they actually they knew each other beforehand. Okay. And I was a complete loner on the day. I wasn't talking to a single soul. And when the casting director asked, okay, guys, who knows the line then? I was straight up from my hand. Me, Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? And that's how I was picked. Literally, wow. first come, first serve. <laughs> and yeah, the, the rest the rest is history. So yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I'm feel glad that I, my hand went up instinctively in that way. Right. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I saw this on a Facebook group the other day, and I'm not sure if it's true, but apparently whenever Anakin ignites his lightsaber, all the kids are supposed to react and react scared to that. It's rumored that Hayden Christensen behind the scenes said boo 
to get a reaction out of you guys. Now, is that true? It is. Uh, from my memory, I can remember like eighty percent of that, and uh, I, I, I think it is. I think it is. You know what? <laughs> I saw it on a previous uh, comment thread that someone. Uh, I'm not sure where they got this information from, but they said that Hayden did say boo. That message got relayed onto me. And then I'm not sure if they implanted that memory into my brain. And now I'm just like, oh yeah, of course it happened. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Could be. I think, I think I might've like <laughs> saying boo. So I just rolled with it, man. And now mm-hmm. I'm seeing all this kind of internet kind of a uh, circulation about it. I'm, I can't complain. I know your role was really short, but what are your best memories from filming that movie? Number one was meeting you and McGregor. Oh, yeah, that's man. awesome. So cool. So just the way back from the, uh, on the changing rooms, I forgot into like my Jedi robes. Uh, I'm walking with my mum. She's like chaperoning me. Mm. And she goes to me, she goes, Ross, do you know who that is? That's, that's you and McGregor. And I'm thinking, I, I'm not sure who that is. So she had to explain <laughs> to me again, like, Ross, that's, that's Obi-Wan. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. It finally clicked. And I was, yeah, like me and her, we were both starstruck. Mm-hmm. And he's a really, really down to earth, like relaxed, cool guy. End up having a glass of champagne with him. <laughs> yeah, a conversation. Yeah. So but getting that time out of you and McGregor was definitely a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, yeah, champagne. Can't say no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even as a six-year-old, which is uh, <laughs> kind of weird, but hey. <laughs> so do you consider yourself a Star Wars fan still? When I say that I'm a Star Wars fan, uh, on a scale of one to ten, one being like not at all and ten being like an absolute raving lunatic about the series, mm-hmm. I'd say I'm a, I'm a seven. Okay. I like the vast majority of Star Wars stuff which comes out and I follow it. So that would class me as a fan. I've got to say, though. Disney with the uh, sequels, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, mm. what they've done with the Mandalorian has been amazing. So oh, yeah, man, true. Definitely a huge mixed bag when it comes to Disney. Visually, they've done an amazing job. Yeah, but they've fallen behind on certain other aspects. So yeah, I would say I would say I'm a fan, and I don't think I would criticize it like that if I wasn't. You know, uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, I, I liked it uh, until someone sort of ruined it for me. Someone ruined it. My brother said, oh, it's literally a copy of The New Hope. I was like, yeah. no, I enjoyed that film. Yeah, and that's what ruined it for all of us, too. Thank you. So are you still acting these days? No, I'm not acting at all. So recently, I've had some people from uh, my previous school that I went to uh, reach out to me saying, would you like to be in certain student projects? And I'm just like, yeah, like, if you want me on something, I'd happily, happily go there. You pick me up in the car, take me out, I could do whatever sort of acting you'd like not only guarantees and the quality of the acting <laughs> but i can do that right and uh yeah no not, not really any acting since i moved away from the london area mm. now i'm down in the south in the bournemouth area okay okay so no i mean i'll be open to it but it's not something i'm pursuing <laughs> <laughs> i mean there's a chance that sores could come back considering like all of these other characters that were presumed dead and uh, right, right. they come back to life in some form or fashion. So. Dude, what if? What are you guys saying for a new Saws Bandy miniseries? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> life of Saws. Wouldn't that be an interesting uh, revenge arc? Of whether yeah. he, I don't know whether he forgives Anakin or Darth Vader or if he just uh, goes after him. But hey. So. I actually saw you at Celebration in 2019, and um, 
Was that in London? No, that was in Chicago. I didn't go to Celebration. Really? I've been trying to get into Celebration for the last year and a bit. I've been messaging them, okay. emailing them. You've got to go through this more complicated process when it comes to it. You've got to sign up and be vetted, and then they check you in, and then they, they invite you. I've been trying to find a, hmm. a link or a connector stars celebration just so I can get a little right. shoe on the way in. Because I tell you, man, like the US, when it comes to customers and my autographs online, mm-hmm. they're the biggest consumer. But obviously, it's what you'd expect. But I think that would be even more so if I came into celebration. Right. Absolutely, yeah. man. Me uh, and the fans are making some money. That that would be that'd be amazing. Right. But no. I did go to Celebration last year. I saw a picture of you with Hayden Christensen like within the last couple of years. So where was that? That was last year. That was at London Comic-Con. Oh, okay. And yeah, that was really an impromptu thing. So I noticed that I was put on a separate day to, uh, to Hayden Christensen. So I messaged the organizer saying, can, can I just get a free pass for the day before just so I can meet Hayden Christensen? Obviously, it'd be a good thing for you guys as well since you're getting extra press yeah. at your event. And they said, sure, why not? They gave me one for me, one for my brother as well. And I only got the meeting because uh, a local fan group who've got their own website called Fanthe Tracks, they managed to talk to Hayden Christensen's agent and set it up at about 1 p.m. And mm. so I get a call from Fanti Tracks, and the guy says, Ross, you haven't got much time. You've got five minutes to make your way over to Hayden Christensen because they're ready to speak to you right now and make a move on quickly. And I'm at the other end of the convention hall with like my <laughs> oh, suitcase God. and everything. So I've got a leg it with this heavy suitcase up to where Hayden's, Hayden is. And yeah, I, I met him. It was mad. It was a great feeling because uh, I was kind of this, uh, I was this nobody. Mm. And then I'm um, going up to meet Hayden and suddenly people, the line parts ways, the security lets me in and I'm just like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> little taste little of the fame. T- yeah. <laughs> the fame. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But so, yeah, and I, and I met him and yeah, I think he was he was really uh, happy and surprised to see me. Yeah, and he, he gave me a hug and said, it's good to see you again, man. You survived. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. That is cool. Yeah, I, I saw Hayden uh, at the Chicago celebration a couple of years ago. That was the first time I've actually met him in person, and he's definitely a really cool guy. Yeah, he's he's really chill. I think it's it's good that uh, I think it's a blessing and the curse the way his kind of career has has kind of gone. He's stayed out of the spotlight, but I think he's got yeah. time to kind of develop other parts of his life. And now he's being let back in yeah. by Star Wars, and I don't think he's a he's a bad actor at all. I think you get given what you're given when it comes to certain roles, and I'm right. just hoping yeah. that. that he smashes out the ball. We were well. talking about that in this last episode that we did because we did an episode on Attack of the Clones. Hayden gets so much shit for that role, but it's like we feel George Lucas was more preoccupied with the visual effects than he was like Focusing the actual the quality. the quality of the writing right. and the dialogue. So he's directing, yeah, and I, I saw uh, something from George Lucas himself where he admits that he's not a kind of character director he's not good at directing people he's got kind of big picture mm-hmm. the way things yeah. works the yeah. storyline the plot the way that all works together he's a master at that mm-hmm. but i think that's where the, the prequels lack unfortunately with the exception of revenge of the sith because i think i think <laughs> it does bump up then yes yeah, absolutely sure. it's definitely a lot better in that one we also all grew up with it you know yeah. like that was pretty much the one that we all remember the the best seeing in theaters because we're only couple years older than you so yeah yeah, like around that age as a kid 
when you're six, seven, eight, nine, you, you can go to the theater and really like enjoy that experience and remember it and carry it with you in the future. So revenge has like a special place in our hearts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the end of the, of the series when it comes to the prequels. Yeah. It's very meaty. It's dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to chew on when it comes to the plot and things like that. And how Anakin turns into Darth Vader and how, and how I think the, the most exciting part about it was how Palpatine was the kind of elite puppet master behind it all along. Yes. And then yeah. all the way previously when it comes to uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, what he was doing behind the scenes. And right. if you've ever seen the Clone Wars, it goes even further back than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing how they managed to weave that story to make him like this evil genius, I think. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So you were six when you did that role. When you went back to school yeah. and you're around other like six, seven, eight year olds, were you just the coolest kid around getting to like be in a Star Wars movie? <laughs> Short answer, no. Okay. So I, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I say to my a couple of the best friends I had at the time, like, uh, hey, by the way, I've got this uh, new role in Star Wars. If you wait a while, you'll be able to see me in it. And they're like, nah, we don't believe you, mate. We don't oh, believe yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, you just wait, you just wait. And as I kept going, I kept telling them about it, people began to believe me more and more and more until when I actually came out. And then people thought I was the shit for a short oh, while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Riding that little wave after yeah. that came out. I was only, only recognised once by someone who said, are you that kid who played the part of the youngling in Star Wars? Uh, That's only happened to me once ever because now I'm old I don't really look <laughs> right. anything like my younger self. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that was a good time. I remember going to a mate's birthday celebration, right? Uh-huh. Where we were going to watch Revenge of the Sith. So we had all of our tickets paid for. And in the lobby of the cinema, uh, we got talking to these like older older kids. And I said to them, oh, by the way, I'm I'm in this film. I'm in, I'm in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. And yet again, they didn't believe me. Uh, but luckily enough, we were managed to be seated in the row behind them, and they knew we were sitting sitting behind them. Oh yeah! And up to the point where I had my scene, and they were like, <laughs> "No, no shit!" <laughs> and that felt good as well. Yeah. So I think it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a roller coaster. There's been negatives to it. There's been positives to it. But I think overall, it's definitely been a positive, especially when it comes to interacting with the fans now talking about my experience in the prequel yeah. uh, film, obviously selling my autographs as well. I've got them here. So that's key. That's supported me over the last year and over such a small role, mm-hmm. right? Very small role. Yeah. It's been amazing. Like 10 seconds of screen time and all this love. So yeah, I'm very grateful about it. I know like you have to get a special invite to the premiere of these movies. Were you invited to the premiere or no? Or was there like a was there like a crew screening, cast and crew screening? It was cast and crew. Yes, yeah. so we had the premiere in Leicester Square, in London. It was at the same time period. Another film was taking place called Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah. Oh yeah. A medieval Crusader film. I remember that being advertised. Uh-huh. So we, me and my family, we got invited to the premiere, and honestly, I didn't think I'd be uh, in it. I thought I'd have been cut. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, there I was. At the cinema, when my scene came on, everyone started to go, oh. <laughs> and as a young kid, you know, you want to be a bit more badass than that. But yeah, uh, yeah pretty, pretty happy. And on the car ride back, I think my parents are trying to soften the blow 
the fact that I died. Mm. Oh, right. <laughs> Even as a youngster, I don't think I actually thought that I died. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really follow the plot that closely. Yeah. Mm. But uh, my parents are preemptively trying to tell me that. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the questions that we have for you. Thank you for joining us. That's yeah. all right, man. I hope you got a lot of uh, value from that. So yeah, totally. Yeah, it was really, really, really nice to meet you, dude. Yeah. We love anyone that would want to talk about Star Wars anytime. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. Enjoy Revenge of the Sith later. I'll yeah, be thinking nice. of you when my pops up. And uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I could ask you for some advice on getting some clients for my videography thing. Yes, right? for sure. At least when Corona stuff, like, passes because i think that's a difficult situation for anyone i think it can be done but it's difficult you're going to be up on an uphill Mm -hmm. mountain climb there okay for sure all right thank you ross uh you have a good evening because you're seven hours ahead of us it's like 1 p.m here have a good one ross nice to meet you bye bye All right, it's time for our favorite game quick trivia all right, Aaron. Uh huh. Who does the Chancellor recommend to command the Jedi expedition to capture General Grievous? Anakin. Reagan. What type of beasts pull the platform carrying Padme Amidala's body in her funeral procession? Oh my God. I was not paying attention. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. Horses. Oh, really? Horses? Yeah, that's what it says. Huh. I would not have got that. I didn't know yeah, that. I, did, I didn't even think to look. <laughs> All right, Taylor. Who tells Anakin there was an attack on the Jedi Temple? Who tells Anakin? Yep. Padme? Yep. Aaron, where does the boarding ramp open up on Queen Amidala's starship? The left, the right, or the rear? The rear. It's the right, isn't it? False. What? It's the left. Oh. Really? That's what it says. I thought it came straight down in the back. What planet has its population centers living in caves and cliffs along the sides of giant sinkholes? Repeat the question again, sorry. What planet has its population centers living in caves and cliffs along the sides of giant sinkholes? It's the one that Grievous is on. Yep. What's it called? I don't remember what it's called. Come on, dude. I know. Just watch. Starts it. with a U. Uh, yeah, it's like Utapau. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Good job. Woo. Good for you, buddy. Taylor, as Anakin races off to Mustafar, who moans, I feel so helpless? C3PO? Yeah. Uh, Aaron, who activates a homing beacon to guide Bail Organa to an access port below the Senate Dome? Yoda. Yoda. Uba. <laughs> so comforting who sensing the galaxy wide slaughter of other Jedi preemptively kills his military escort uh is it talking about Yoda mm-hmm. Taylor which uneasy pilot declares flying is for droids Obi-Wan yeah <laughs> so I guess I'll ask both of you this one whoever gets it first who does Darth Sidious intentionally mislead in saying when my new apprentice Darth Vader arrives, he will take new care of you. Newt Gunrich. Yeah, Gunray. Oh, Gunray. Gunrich. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that other franchise. Yeah. For both of you, this is kind of an episode three question. 
How many films feature scenes on Tatooine? All of them. Nope. Five. God damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. Five. Uh, I was almost there. I was a guess, though. It was. Tell me all five. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, um... One, two, one, two three, three, four, six. Four and six. six. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for joining us for our season... Um, we love you all, and we'll be back with more content in the coming months. And may the force be with you. If you've got questions or ideas for something for us to talk about, let us know. We'd love to love to hear from you. And may the force be with you. Bye.